0: A Boy Meets a Dragon Chapter 2 Where is the Flood? There is one thing you must do before you are worthy to see this place. You must renounce all your attachment to this world and become a wizard. I can make you a wizard, especially since you seem to have tamed Esmeralda, founder of worlds, corkscrew of the faith travelers that haunt these lands. Eo looks towards Esmeralda, held tightly in his hand. If I must, I will. You must. The dragon stands on his hind legs, stretches his long and tired back, and reaches for a branch high above. He breaks the branch off its tree and hands it to Eo. And Eo feels the immense power coursing through it. Esmeralda, newly named, doesn't like the branch, so she hops into Eo's pocket. The branch glows with a longing to be reunited to its tree, and that's what gives it its power. It's so powerful that it glows at its tip with a soft, white fire. Show me what you would do with this branch, young wizard says the dragon. Eo can feel the branch pulling him upward, as if it wants to be reattached where it was torn away. He thinks about tossing it in the air, toward where it came from, as he looks up at the tear in the tree. Anything except for that, says the dragon. Anything except for that. Eo looks at the branch, And he sees that the tip is burning with desire and fire and wants and wishes and power. So he touches it to the ground and then drags it along the dirt. Where he drags it, new leaves sprout and little mini pine trees and whole acorns pop out of the ground. And then the acorns pop open and crickets and ants crawl out. Then the crickets split open and mushrooms grow from the crickets' split open backs and dandelions spill from the heads of the mushrooms. Good, good. You see how to do it. But not so hard. You're making things pop out of things and that's no good. A softer touch, please. The dragon takes the branch from Io's hand and shows him how. He drags it through the air just above the ground with intention. The flowers and dandelions and mushrooms that Eo had made grow up to meet the branch, and ants and crickets fall out of its shining tip. Seahorses, soaked in water bubbles, bobble up through cracks in the dirt where the flowers are growing. See, says the dragon, everything has need and we magicians fulfill that need whether we want to or not. We're always working, always guiding, always reaching for the next highway upon which the gloss of life rests and must be forced back onto the main pathway. He hands the wand back to Io, and Io takes it and drags it along the trunk of a tree. He unzips the tree so it can breathe, and butterflies and birds and fairies fly out of it. What's that, Eo says. He can hear a faint and distant burbling sound, like a huge ocean boiling over, as well as thunder and wild rain storming on the other side of the thick bark, ready to rise through the opening and plunder this fair ground. He zips the tree back up as soon as he can, The tree bulges and bellows and water trickles out of the crack that's left over. There's a huge bulge and a scar left in the tree. The dragon looks at Io, impressed, and says, that scar will never heal, but that's okay. Perhaps it will serve as a sign to the next wizard of all the life that's trapped in there, just waiting to overrun this world. That's a whole new world in there, you know. A flood so big, no one here now would ever forget it. He pauses for effect. These are very old trees here. What would you have done if I would have let it out? Eo asks. I would have flown away. But what about the flood? The world will have its way, but dragons will survive. Eo looks at him incredulously. That's what I think, anyways, says the dragon. Eo takes the wand and points it at the dragon, threateningly, like he wants to open him up with his next thought. Whoa there, (laughs) what are you doing? Be careful, the dragon smiles. But Eo persists. Tell me true. What is your deepest desire? To cook your stone. Eo thinks about this for a while. Then he relaxes his arm and lets the wand rest at his side. He asks, casually, knowing he can't do a thing if the dragon resists. But promise me you won't? Okay, says the dragon. I won't. Promise? I promise. Eo thinks he sees two more tiny horns grow from the top of the dragon's head, but they're barely visible if they're there at all. Eo and the dragon spend the next 7 nights together, with the dragon teaching Eo magic and training him how to tell if someone is lying or not. He even teaches him about what dragons are made of, and how to make the elementary particles. In the end, Eo is happy that he's becoming a magician, and the dragon is happy to have someone to talk to. On the 8th day, the dragon says, "Well." Now you're officially a magician. Eo spends the 8th day digging for gold, and the ninth through the 11th day learning how to make magic potions. On the 12th day, he learns how to draw symbols in the dirt that summon tree creatures and insects. And on the 13th day, he almost dies fighting a dragon from a neighboring grotto. On the 14th day, Eo meets a princess. Her name is Rish. She comes at him with a knife, swings around with a sword, and would have cut his head off, except they'd both stumbled back into one of Eo's incantations, which was built to offer a protection spell around Eo. She quickly destroys it, though, and Eo does a lot more running through the underbrush before he arrives where the dragon is sitting. Help, Eo says. No, says the dragon, with his eyes closed. This is a test. So Io runs some more and finds a loose branch and quickly draws on the ground until he summons about a thousand fluorescent butterflies, each of which was hidden in a piece of the world around him. They all fly up together and perch on his shoulders and arms and cover his whole body. When the princess comes upon him, she hesitates. Then she says, What are you doing? Io says, Would you dare to destroy such magnificent wonders? Rish says, yes, but I don't need to, and she forces her blade through the throng of butterflies and touches his throat with the tip. Now come out from under there and die honorably. Instead of complying, he touches her blade with his finger, and a single butterfly daintily crawls onto it, and as it does, the sword disintegrates and falls to the floor as ash. She looks at her blade with fierce eyes, and cries out, as she rushes towards him with her other, smaller blade. But before she knows it, she's in a tightly forming cage made of butterflies, and her knife blade is disintegrated. She freezes in place. She can tell instinctively that, if she moves about threateningly, the butterflies won't hesitate to disintegrate her too. The dragon comes out from a nearby patch of pines and says, Very good, Eo, but what would you do now if I wasn't here? Eo is still covered in butterflies, so he can't move either. Wait for them to fly away, I guess, says Eo. But they won't. You're threatening their home. Indeed, Eo knows this. He's stepping on a puffin pageant and is very close to crushing it. I could try to explain myself and offer her up as food for them to eat yes let's see how that works says the dragon sarcastically oh i know i could spit out one of the acorns i've been carrying around and hope it grows when it hits the ground you know as a token of my good faith he proceeds to whisper grow grow ancient stone and overwhelm the soil he spits out an acorn and it grows into a tiny flower. One of the butterflies that's on his nose flies down to inspect the flower. Then, quite suddenly, all the butterflies fly up and away into the trees. Eo breathes in deeply and quickly removes his foot from the puffin pageant. Then, he bends down and gives it a kiss. It reciprocates and his lips turn bright red. And now you still have the same problem you started with. EO turns back to look at furious Rish and sizes her up. He shrugs. But she's only got her two mitts on her now. That's Koozie. With that, she rushes him and knocks him straight out with her right fist. The dragon has to bargain three gold coins for EO's life, and she only gives him up because he was such an easy challenge. When Eo wakes, he hears the dragon and Rish discussing his fate. He's too weak. He doesn't stand a chance against my father. He didn't even slow me down out there. He'll get us both killed. You said you needed a magician, and I got you a magician. That was the deal. He knows the rules of magic. They're etched in his heart. And then he whispers, so Eo can hardly hear. I didn't even have to teach him. I just woke it up. Rish protests, but it's not the right kind of magic. I need someone who knows killing magic, not this weaselly peasly growth magic. The dragon responds, how can you know what you'll need before you even start your quest? Take him along and see how far you get this time around. Here, see. Look what he can do. Io is already halfway through making an invisibility potion and there are ants and butterflies helping him gather herbs and spices for a balm he'll use for healing the cuts and bruises he'd sustained barreling through the forest. I won't go with her, he says, glancing over his shoulder. She's deadly. She'll get me dead. I can feel it. You could use a little death in you, the dragon says. Bring some of your magic back to this world for a change. A little decay wouldn't hurt every once in a while. What does that even mean? What I mean is that you two will be good for each other. She knows how to kill things, and you know how to grow things. You're complementary.